You are now listening to The Sexy Escort Guide, discussing everything fascinating about the world of paid companionship. And now, here is your sexy host, Exotic Vivian. Hey everyone, this is episode 107 of The Sexy Escort Guide podcast. I am your host, Vivian, and today we're talking everything branding in 2023 with PS Group founder, Ms. Carly David. Carly is a retired sex worker with over 20 years experience in mainstream marketing. She originally began her career in casting for film, TV, and Broadway before transitioning to advertising agencies. In 2018, Carly founded PS Group, a creative marketing agency for sex workers by sex workers. She leads a 20-person team and oversees branding services and website design development for new and established escorts. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our diamond sponsor, Companion Tax and Accounting Services. You've heard us interview the owner, Mary Lee, on episodes 7, 36, and 58. Companion Tax really knows their stuff, and I, Vivian, can personally vouch for them. They are the professionals you need to hire to handle all of your tax accounting and business needs. Companion Tax was created specifically with us companions in mind. It doesn't get any more niche than that. They have been in business since 2011 and have become a leading resource for the community. Although based in South Florida, they are licensed in all states. You can visit them at companiontax.com and fill out the new client information form to get started and take charge of your financial future. Hello, Carly. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Vivian. It is a pleasure. It's been a while and a lot of things have changed. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> uh, life is very different as I'm sure it is for you and for a lot of the listeners. For all of us in the world, life is, uh, life has changed quite a bit. First we had Fosta Sesta, then we had COVID. Now we're trying to get back into the hang of things. We lost a lot of our advertising platform. So in today's world, branding is so important because now you can't just throw an ad on Backpage and, you know, wait for your phones to ring. Like now you have to be a lot more intentional and strategic with how you put yourself online. Yeah, absolutely. It is a different ballgame. I mean, I started in this industry about 10, 11 years ago, and it is drastically different. What worked at that time? It's nowhere near as effective now. Yes. So refresh my memory. Were you an escort first before you moved on to helping others brand themselves? I was indeed. Let's go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Give us a refresher on who you are. Sure. So my name is Carly David. I'm the founder and CEO of PS Group, which is a creative marketing agency for sex workers by sex workers. So my background is that I first had a career in entertainment. I cast for film and TV, movies like Bad Boys 2 and Pirates of the Caribbean. And it was an amazing experience, but it wasn't, I think, what I was meant to do. 
I think life puts opportunities in your path just to say, okay, this is really what your purpose is. So I fell into advertising agencies and I worked in New York at ad agencies for about 10 years. And part of the way through that, I was introduced to sex work and I was a companion in New York City. And it was the days of like TER domination. You literally put an ad up, you got a review, and that was your business strategy. Like I said, it's extraordinarily different these days. But once I retired, I retired after a few years, and I moved down from New York City to Mexico, where I currently reside. It was really sort of out of necessity that PS Group came to be. I was just like, you know what? I got to pay the bills somehow. This is an industry I feel passionate about. And there does seem to be a bit of a gap that at that time, which we've been in business for about five, six years now. And around that time, there weren't as many resources or options for marketing support. You know, there were wonderful website designers who worked exclusively with companions, but more of a, I don't want to say one-stop shop. For some reason, that <laughs> that always drives me crazy because, to be honest, like we are a one-stop shop. There's a lot of things we don't do because other individuals are already doing it and doing it very well. So we sort of focus on where the market need was, and it has really evolved organically. It started with me teaching myself how to build websites, and I was just sitting there at my kitchen table doing that, and it has just grown. And now we are about 2021, and most of us are current or retired sex workers like myself, and we are in five different countries and we're just growing at such a rapid rate that it feels like a runaway train sometimes. And I'm just really on board. Wow. Five different countries. What countries are you in? Well, obviously Mexico and then the United States. We have consultants in Canada, in the United Kingdom. And then also we have a consultant who is based in the Caribbean. Wow. I wonder how uh, work is over there. The Caribbean is very, um, it's an interesting market because most people go there with their sand. They bring their own sand to the beach. So that's interesting. Well, we could have a whole episode just about expat living, but I think that would really bore people, honestly, so... I mean, I don't know. It might interest a lot of people because a lot of girls after the pandemic decided to become digital nomads and they, you know, pivoted to online content creation like OnlyFans and Clips for Sale and all that good stuff. So I'm sure some people might be interested in, you know, the whole expat thing. But if you guys are, send me an email, Vivian at TSCGP.com and let me know. Okay. So. You've been in business for, you said, six years, and you work with ladies in five countries, which is amazing. The five countries is actually just our team. We work with people as far as Australia and all over Europe, Canada, United States. It's fascinating to see how markets differ. 
But yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Sorry. So yes. So you work with ladies all over, not just those five countries that you stated. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So that's good. I mean, there really isn't like a agency, so to speak, that anyone can just go to and hit the ground running. So you might be in your little niche monopoly by yourself because that's, I mean, it's still very convoluted to get into this business. Obviously you can read my book, but it's kind of like a trial and error and, you know, continuous tweaking of your content online and how you present yourself, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think if you really have the mindset that this is work and you treat it like a business, then there are going to be pitfalls. There are going to be things you do that you're like, eh, that didn't work. And it's only from learning from those mistakes that you can really develop a business and a service offering that is unique and niche and is going to attract the people you want. Yes. And you said the most important thing, you have to treat this like a business, not just some fly-by-night thing like the media has led a lot of people to believe. It is a legitimate business. You are your own solo entrepreneur. So treat it as such. What do you think is a misconception potential escorts have when entering this line of work? I think it is actually uh, definitely that really important point you just said, is that people sort of, I think, have misconceptions about how easy it is. And that it's just a cash cow and all you have to do is just put some hot pictures up and that's that. And it's obviously significantly more involved than that. I mean, solopreneurs in the adult industry, we're marketers. We do finance. We do operations. We do admin. We do PR. We do video editing and photo editing and design and copywriting. I mean, it's just... It's really one of those rare verticals in which we have to be a jack of all trades and a master of all of them, too, to really find good success. That's for damn sure. (laughs) You said the media, I think, frequently portrays it as something that is less complex, that is less nuanced, that is less thoughtful in a way. To have a successful business, you have to be very strategic. You have to really think and consider all the elements of that business. So if you're not treating it in a way that is a professional endeavor, regardless of whether you are full-time or not, it still has to be strategically conducted and executed. I would say, though, pre-FOSTA-SESTA, maybe you could just throw up an ad online And your phones will ring and that was that. But today it's a completely different ball game. It really is. You have to wear a lot of hats today and you have to be very intentional and you have to have patience. (laughs) Patience is a big one. Yeah, because people are so used to, especially, I mean, I see people online complaining all the time about back page days and how they would just put up an ad and just make thousands of dollars in a day and they miss it. I mean, I have nostalgia for like the grunge era. That doesn't mean it's coming back. (laughs) The grunge era. Oh, yeah, I'm old. (laughs) You're funny. 
So how did you figure out what works when it comes to branding and marketing for escorts? Well, I think it really is just the trial and error in being a part of so many companions' journeys as they grow their business and seeing, you know, their success or areas where they're feeling challenges or they're struggling and really having worked, I believe, in a collaborative manner. You know, I mean, we've had well over 200 clients at this point. You know, there aren't, for instance, reports of like general data for our industry. So who are we to know what is like a successful booking rate? Or what is the average ranking on Google? You know, we don't have that published data to really understand where we fall within the market. And so having worked with so many at this point, I can look at someone's Google Analytics and be like, yep, that's a really high click-through rate. Or this is, you know, really, really good. Or maybe we want to work on X, Y, and Z a little bit more. So it's sort of like an internal gauge that I have at this point. And a lot of our consultants have really worked with a lot of individuals and clients. So to be honest, this stuff is not rocket science. I'm pretty convinced that anyone, if you have the work ethic and the attitude and you approach it like a business, you can find success. You know, there is sort of a formula to it, but it is absolutely customized. You know, you don't just look at someone who appears, who has the optics of succeeding and copy what they're doing. I think it's very important to be aware of what other people are doing, but to find inspiration as opposed to just blatant plagiarism. Because it's working for them because that's their unique persona. I'm a firm believer that if you see people doing X, Y, and Z, turn around and do ABC. Because the X, Y, Z is already monopolized. It's already covered. So you want to find gaps for where, you know, a certain persona that fits you is not really represented in the marketplace. Exactly. Because you don't want to like, kind of morph into a completely different version of yourself. I mean, I suppose, you know, if you have the energy and wherewithal to, you know, deal with two completely different (laughs) personas, I suppose that could work. But if you could try to find something in you that's in your persona, that's way easier to maintain, you know, because you're basically being yourself. Right. And I mean, there are obviously going to be elements of like real Carly, which are not incorporated in the Carly brand. However, I think the really important foundation that has to be in both are your values and those things that are important to you as a human being, as a business professional. And from there, you could be like, oh, I... You know, I grew up in the Midwest when you really were in California. Not a huge deal. You know, I think the more you can find areas in real Carly that you feel comfortable sharing, because there are obviously going to be those parts where you're like, I need to save this for me. But the more you can find like authentic, and I, you know, that word is so overused in like 
what your character is, not just your persona, but like your real character. If something that is very important to you is speaking your mind, then obviously that's going to carry through to your branding. And it's important that it does because that's not really something that you can turn on or off. You know, as long as you're intentional about what you're saying, I feel like you're fine. That's the key word there is intentional, is that you can wing things. And most people do in the beginning because it's a learning phase. But when you have that, like, you know, a little bit of experience under your belt, you can be like, okay, what is working? Where do I still feel the confusion? Or what are the pain points that aren't? And the more you can proactively choose what elements of your business and your branding you want to be front and center, the greater your chances for success, in my opinion. So who is your ideal client to work with? I think someone who is really eager to be part of the process, but also really willing to listen and consider. Like ultimately, when it comes down to it, we can give you the best guidance, tools, resources that we can. But if you don't do anything with them, then, you know, that's beyond our purview. Like that's beyond our control. Ultimately, it's always your decision because you are the CEO of your business. So we can make suggestions and recommendations based on past experience and what we know typically will get traction. However, someone who comes in, I think, being very set in what they want to do, then we're not going to be able to really help because you've already decided. I mean, that makes sense. And what would you say is a client that you never want to work with? I would say someone who I guess similarly just doesn't want to learn because we do get people sometimes who come in and they feel almost that they feel like they're trying to prove themselves. And it's sort of like, you don't need to prove anything to us. We're the behind the scenes support team. The more you can share what isn't working, the more we can help you. So I would say people who are willing to like put their ego at the door, which I think is crucial for anyone in this business, regardless of whether a consultant, an active sex worker, a companion, a content creator, anyone. I think the biggest thing is you do have to have a fair amount of humility. And it's sort of like, why would you hire us if you already know? I mean, sometimes people work against themselves unintentionally. An element of self-sabotage is something that, you know, is outside our skill set. You know, it's something that is well outside the scope of what we hope to offer individuals. But when you are developing a brand, you do have to look inward in this way, because you are identifying those things that you want to keep with your branding and then the things you want to keep personal. So it's a tricky process. It takes a lot of work, you know, and it goes back to people thinking this is easy money. Not anymore. <laughs> really isn't. We have clients who have had like very viral posts, for instance, and they've got very large you know, fan bases or, you know, followings very quickly. And it's like, okay, there is no rhyme or reason to viral and you can't rely on that for a sustainable business. 
No, because you never know when you're going to go viral again. Exactly. And it's like, how do you build a scalable and sustainable business? And some people find that very challenging, you know, because it's sort of like, well, I had this easy experience. And it's like, well, you know, there's a finite number of times you really have that experience. You know, even someone like Kazumi is extraordinarily strategic. Who is Kazumi? Uh, she's a big content creator. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not my world. <laughs> and she actually did a flying banner that she did over Coachella. I've always thought about that because here in Miami, you have those airplane banners advertising, you know, come to this club or this pool party or whatever. And I'm like, what if? And I think one girl actually advertised her OnlyFans once. I saw that. There are a few situations where people have done like billboards in Times Square. It is actually, it's called out-of-home advertising. So it's like bus ads and like if a mobile, like a truck is going by. We had a client and she is a big porn performer, but she had for her birthday a branded truck going up and down the Las Vegas Strip. And she got tons of subscriptions from that. I think we are getting into an era where we do have more opportunities. The world is changing slowly and it is truly darkest before the dawn right now. I see a, a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think with the more legislation that decriminalizes, as we sort of become more of the mainstream conversation in a positive way, you know, because you can't really have people speaking on behalf of us. It really has to be a, our community who is vocal and speaking up. I think that's really starting to happen in a really profound way. And it makes me optimistic, despite how dire things look at the moment. But having more opportunities to think outside the box in terms of getting your brand and your business promoted and out there. You definitely do have to think outside the box in today's world. You cannot rely on advertising on a couple of websites because these websites aren't even getting the same traffic that they used to either because of the whole FOSTA SESTA thing. That really threw off a lot of these online advertising venues. And then some people are afraid of arrows because, you know, <laughs> they say that they're working with the feds, but they're still hanging in there. <laughs> I'm not going to comment. <laughs> Raids don't just go away. Something's got to give. Like, there's a reason why they're back in business. And then the whole back page thing is still ongoing. Rest in peace to one of the founders that just passed away. It's a shit show right now. However, you cannot just sit and hide your head in the sand or, you know, scream. You have to pivot and find a way that works for you right now. And now more than ever, you really need to focus on retaining regulars. I will scream this from the mountaintop to the end of time. That is your goal, is to get people that like you to continuously see you. Okay, so let's say someone is super brand new. What are some of the few steps they need to take to get started as far as their brand, branding? Like, what can they do? I would say the best way to start is really, really extensive research. 
that research is much more accessible these days. Like that's one of the cons of FOSTA-SESTA and, you know, the RIP of just throwing up an ad is that there are a lot more educational resources these days, but you got to put in the legwork. You know, and so I would recommend starting with seeing what the landscape is right now. You know, look specifically within your geographic market, see what other people are doing and see where things are not actually happening. Because the more you know what works for you, what doesn't work for you, then you'll be able to build a business model that you can tweak accordingly. And part of that is also understanding the type of client you want. It's hard to really identify that, which is why I say, like, I do encourage people just to, like, dive into the deep end in the beginning and, you know, see what works for you. It may be that, you know, dinner dates don't work for you. And that's okay. It's just a different business model. And there's actually something I said the last time I was here, and I have regretted it ever since. (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) I want to officially retract this, that you charge as much as you think you deserve. I totally disagree with that now. I think you charge what is right for your business model. It really is like some people are just not built for overnights. They prefer volume, in which case you price yourself accordingly. It boggles my mind that I had that mindset. And that's where, you know, I've evolved and learned and changed is basically the idea that if you know you are a person who would rather eat glass than do more than three hours with someone, that's okay. You structure your business so you focus more on one hours, two hours, and you price yourself accordingly. Because really success is being able to pay your bills and work towards financial goals. Everything else is kind of like a cherry on top. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It's rare. And I'm going to say this. It's very rare for a first-time client to call you and want to book an overnight and want to book a dinner date. They're usually going to test you out for like an hour or two, mostly an hour. I mean, and then other girls have restructured their minimums based on what they're trying to do. So you can't just go say, oh, well, she has a three hour minimum. So that's what I'm going to do. No, you have to start from scratch, start from the beginning, start low and then grow higher. Don't start high and then have to backtrack. That's never a good look you know, in any business, like even in real estate, that people overprice their properties and then have to drop it every six weeks, that doesn't look good. (laughs) So yeah, just know that most clients are not going to right off the bat book you for an overnight. So don't worry about that. Worry about what you're doing in the hour. I mean, back in the day when I first started, I used to do 30 minute appointments and I actually made more because I would charge just a little bit more than what half of my hourly rate was worth. So I ended up, if I saw two 30-minute clients, I ended up making more per hour than I would if I just saw the one-hour client. Of course, now I don't do that shit anymore. We don't have time. But if you're just starting out, 
go ahead, try it out. You never know. And then that might end up being a good long time regular. I can't tell you how many times I've had like my quote unquote cheaper clients turn into like bona fide benefactors now. Exactly. I mean, I think it comes back to the ego factors that like, just because you're not charging a three hour minimum at however many dollars, like does not mean that you are less than. It does not mean you don't have the same opportunities for financial success. It just means that you have a different business model because it is okay not to want overnights or travel dates or dinner dates even. While a lot of people do want that, when it comes down to it, you may find that it's not really enjoyable. So go with what you can stomach, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just keep yourself open and don't, like, especially if you're just starting out, do not price yourself. I mean, figure out, look at your market, see what all the girls are charging in your market and figure out where you fit in based on what you provide. Because you also don't want to undercharge and then be miserable at work as well. Find your happy medium to where you're like, if I make this every time I see a person, I'm good. And go from there. And then if you need to increase your rates, you can. But don't just come out the gate charging $1,000 an hour. I don't even charge $1,000 an hour. <laughs> you know, and I've been at this for a little bit. So don't just come out the gate charging $1,000 an hour because that's not sustainable. You might see a few clients. But are you going to get repeats? I really don't know. And beyond that, it's also like you want to price yourself so that you're really making that time, that date duration that you prefer the most appealing to a client. You might price like an hour really high and then two hours is like $100 more or something like that. Yeah, I've seen that strategy for sure. And then I've seen girls do like regressing. So they start off high, just like you said, and they get significantly lower the more time you spend with them. That's a strategy of some people to build more of a connection with their clients. So that way they can stay in their lives for longer. They end up doing arrangements with these men. Like they're just different things that you can do if you would just you know, think outside the box and keep an open mind and don't think, oh, I have to be charging a thousand dollars an hour or, you know, I'm not making it in life. That's just not sustainable. Now, if you're freestyling, that's a different ballgame because if the guy is spending, you're going to take it. But <laughs> online, you have to have some strategy of what you want to do. You can't just be like, OK, yep, I think I'm going to charge a thousand an hour and then wonder why you're not getting anywhere. Exactly. You said the like million dollar word strategy. Okay. So what about established escorts like myself? What can we do to up our game and tweak our brand for success? I would say we typically sort of really dive into your goals, both short term and long term. And from there, you can almost reverse engineer a strategic plan where you're like, okay, I want to be doing exclusively, like, let's say for shits and giggles, I want to be doing exclusively overnights in three years. So it's sort of like, okay, how do you take the steps to get there? 
How do you have a diverse marketing plan so that you're leveraging every channel you have at your disposal? Whether you know, you're really big on social, using an email marketing list, really beefing up your website to make sure that it is speaking to the exact client you want to appeal to. And unless you know, like have really thought about who that client is, and this is where experience, such as your own robust experience, is that you get to know who these clients are. And while you don't ever want to overgeneralize, you do have to create sort of a client persona, like an avatar. Specifically, you've discovered that you really like the guys who are coming in from out of town. And so you want to appeal to that. And if you know what his challenges are, like what his triggers are, like what are his purchasing triggers? Is it that he finally has an opportunity to take the time to be able to see? Or he just got a bonus from work. You know that he gets bonuses on a quarterly basis based on his, you know, all of this is sort of like a fictional character. It represents the type of exact client that is right for you. You know, we have a client who says, you know what? I really don't like overnights. I don't like dinner dates. I like just watching, you know, reality TV with them. And I'm like, cool. Okay. If that is what works for you, that makes your job enjoyable. Then let's brand around that. You know, let's speak to a potential client who that would be really appealing to because it's just a respite from their everyday a high-powered situation or perhaps they're like a tech geek somewhere in a basement like you know it really really depends on who you want to see most who you jive with most and like you said who is going to be a repeat potential you know Exactly. I mean, and shout out to the tech boys. They've all moved to Miami and they are really making my bank account smile. So love you guys. <laughs> A little anecdote is that one of our clients who's actually now our social media director, she branded herself very specifically to like a younger demographic. She gives a special where it is, if it is your first time with a provider, this is applicable. The only problem is, is that she branded herself a little too well. So she just gets virgins. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Actual virgins? Actual virgins. She's like, I've had 10 this year. I really need to. Wow. So that whole thing is not a myth about more and more guys being virgins. I mean, but hey, look on the bright side. You're basically grooming these guys to be whatever you need them to be and worship at your altar. So I don't know. Conditioning. In this day and age, back in like the TER days, and this is not to shade anyone who is still active on that site. However, the power dynamic, I think, was very different five, 10 years ago. 10 years ago, for sure. But even five years ago, that was the era of the hobbyist. The client really held all the power, whereas now it has shifted. And I believe there's a lot more within the provider's control. You know, five years ago, it was not standard to take deposits. 
And now I think it is also, we can attribute that to social media because there are more opportunities for us to converse with one another in a very open forum. I think we've sort of taken back the power and now we've normalized deposits. We've normalized screening in a uh, legal ID type way. I love that for us. Yeah, I think the next one is going to be tipping. Yes. I mean, and also I would say deposits also stemmed out of a lot of people flaking and people just got sick and tired of people flaking out, especially when girls who go on tour get pre-bookings and everybody cancels. And, you know, they're like pissed and angry and sad. Eventually something's got to give. And one thing I will say about the younger clients now coming up is that because they grew up online, they don't even think twice about filling out a booking form and sending you a Zelle. Like, it's like nothing. They're so used to being online all the time. To them, it's actually easier. It's online. Like, they don't have to, like, call anyone because, you know, nobody really likes talking on the phone. <laughs> but they don't have to call anyone or whatever. Like, they can literally just book an experience online. It's no different than booking an excursion when you're on vacation. Like, and it's all online. We provide a service. That service, again, should be conducted and offered like a business. However, we should be treating not just our clients, conditioning them to behave in a certain manner, but also we're conditioning ourselves, being like, oh, okay, I'm offering a service, which means I need to deliver on that. And that's where brand loyalty and trust comes in is that if you're just constantly flaking or canceling appointments or, you know, changing where you're going on tour all the time, when you see an inconsistency in a business and brand, that's when you start to lose the trust and subsequently the loyalty, which is because people don't know what they're getting at any point. If you are completely consistent. And this is why I really recommend whoever you present yourself to be online, that is what they are going to get in the room. Please, <laughs> for the love of God. <laughs> Don't hire a copywriter to write something that is very generic and is just sort of similar to what other people are doing because that may not be you. And so clients are booking based on what they see. So that's what they want. So if that's not you and you're not able to bring that into the room, then don't brand yourself that way. There's no like good or bad to it. It's just be intentional and be able to choose something that you can be consistent with. A quick tip for those of you that are so afraid of doing your own ad copy with chat GPT, you have no excuse. You can literally tell AI, hey, this is what I'm trying to say. Can you make it sound like this? And you can tweak that shit to the end of time until it's exactly what you want it to be. So there's no reason why you should be stealing someone else's ad copy or hiring somebody to write a mediocre ad copy for you. And for those of you who have been living under a rock who do not know what chat GPT is, <laughs> it's artificial intelligence. You can download it on your phone. You can literally ask it, hey, I'm trying to text this guy this, but I want it to sound like this. What should I say? Boom, it tells you. 
I mean, I was already pretty good with ad copy, but now I'm like on level 100 <laughs> because I'll write what I'm going to write. And I'll be like, I want you to make it sound a little bit like this. Boom. In seconds, it tells you this. Or I'm like, I need another word for this. Boom. It tells you, you guys really need to do research and start looking into chat GPT because it's also for hosts. Okay. And you mentioned um, SEO. You know what's funny? I was like testing out Google ads. You know how when you search for something, you'll see like businesses, you don't have to pay for it, but it'll show up with whatever you're searching for. And I was like, let me see how long it takes before Google realizes that I'm adult, <laughs> I'm adult entertainment. It lasted for a year. I'm pretty proud of myself. And I, I, of course, I got a lot of vanilla people, but they knew what was up. You guys definitely really need to play more with SEO and online stuff. And speaking of SEO, how can an escort optimize SEO for her website? I know it's such a vast topic, but just give us some like surface stuff and then maybe we can dive in deeper on another episode. Yeah, absolutely. So with SEO, and it's interesting you say that following copywriting because we do offer copywriting and we have amazing copywriters on staff. However, I would say if your biggest challenge is just being able to like sound unique or get the words on the page, then absolutely. If it is, you know, use ChatGPT because it's all about working smarter, not harder. So if that's not working for you, then yeah, obviously there are copywriters out there who will be able, and this is the key difference, is that if you're looking to utilize SEO and you know ranking on Google and other search engines as part of your marketing plan, sometimes using a copywriter can be beneficial because like for instance, we use premium SEO software which enables us to see what people, like the objective data of what people are searching for. SEO, I think, is a lot easier to rank for like Chicago GFE or something like that than it is for UK companions. Because I think it's the legality factor and the fact that they are a Nordic model, they've been working on their SEO for a lot longer. So it's a little more tough because more people are using that as a tool. Whereas in the United States, I think people talk about it, but I think it's very daunting because like you said, it is so complex. And to be honest, there's a quote that says like, SEO is not rocket science only to those who already understand it. So we actually have a webinar. We offer quote unquote monthly, we do free webinars for sex workers of all kinds topics that are relevant to any niche, any sector, whether it be online, studio performers, cam models, pro-doms, you know, any type of sex work, we try to make it applicable and relevant. Like we have one, I think next week, where I'm introducing people to how to build their own website. Because the thing is, is that just because someone can't necessarily afford a consultant or marketing support does not mean they shouldn't have access to that education and knowledge. I want it to be very accessible regardless of what your current state or budget may be. Is there a link that I can put in the show notes for people to be able to sign up for your webinar or should I just refer them to your website? So it's our website backslash webinars. 
Got it. Okay. So I'll add that in the show notes for sure. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's all streaming right on our website. We do record them. So if you're unable to make the actual live webinar, you can always catch it later. You can always reference it later. But we try to make that information accessible because not everyone can afford having support. But I think it's important that you're still able to reap that knowledge and capitalize on certain practices and principles in marketing and business. So that long explanation is we did one on SEO. I do have to put a disclaimer on it that it was about, I want to say, six months, a year ago. October 2022. I want to say somewhere around there. The issue is, is that Google's algorithm changes so drastically, so frequently, that unless it's like a full-time job, because let's be honest, so much of what a companion has to do, all of the hats you wear, all of the balls you're juggling, no pun intended, (laughs) is the fact that there are entire companies who focus and specialize in every single one of those skill sets. It is very easy to feel overwhelmed, especially with SEO. The more you can read about it, I would say, to the extent that you give a shit. Because let's be honest, you did not sign up for this job to optimize your website. (laughs) We're supposed to be going on dinner dates and traveling. Like, what the fuck? Why do we have to do SEO too? Exactly. So like, I don't know what this means. Like, what the hell is a meta description? Uh, And that is okay. I firmly believe everyone is smart enough and capable enough to really become like, you know, self-sufficient with all of these different skill sets. It is a matter of whether you care about it enough and it interests you enough. Because anyone can learn anything, in my opinion. You don't have to have certain education or certain IQ or certain experience. It literally is about whether you want to put in the time to learn it. And if it doesn't interest you, delegate. Delegate as much as your budget will allow, because that will free up the time where you can be doing the things that you enjoy and that you're good at and that you signed up for. You don't want to be doing bookkeeping when you could spend your time in the room making that money. Exactly. And you definitely don't want to be doing bookkeeping anyway, because there's just so it's very convoluted. Just hire a professional. They don't even charge that much. You'll be much happier than you trying to look at numbers and figure out what category, what goes in. It's just, yeah, leave it to the professionals. And even with the whole chat GPT thing, that's more of a like an entry level thing. Like you can still use an ad copywriter like we are PS group because you kind of want to use it as your base of what you're feeling, what your vibe is. And then you can hand it over to them and they can do the rest. But you shouldn't like say, oh, well, I'm not good at it. So I'm just going to not do anything because you're only hurting yourself in the long run, especially if you're trying to be in this business long term. Exactly. This is all about keeping a long game mentality. Exactly. It's not just a fly by night job anymore. I'm sorry. It's not like you can throw up a few pictures in an ad, create a social media account, and there you go for six months and you'll get all your money and then get out. It doesn't really work that way. It doesn't work that way for any startup. 
So why should adult sex work be any different? What are some mistakes to avoid when it comes to branding? Just sort of copying or duplicating, you know, just because something looks like it's working for someone else. I mean, let's face it. You can't compare your insides with someone else's outsides because you never know what's going on behind the scenes. Let's be real. Brands are about optics. They're not necessarily about the reality. So if you brand yourself as inconsistent, you know, then people are going to look at your brand and your business as an inconsistent one. It doesn't mean that you have to want to go to the symphony, you know, if your personal preference is Metallica, but the more you can do something that's different, that is unique. I mean, we really always say like, what are your quirks? What are those things about you that perhaps you feel like a little embarrassed about or you think is kind of dorky or people aren't going to like? I guarantee you, the more you can be specific in your branding and who you want to appeal to, you are going to narrow your audience. You're going to narrow it. But it's so much better to go narrow and deep because that's where the repeat client comes in is you're not going to appeal to as many people, but the people you appeal to are the perfect clients for you. And they're going to be the ones who book over and over because there's no one else like you and you address a need they have that no one else could address because of the specifics of their business and brand. Exactly. And over time, it just gets better. I don't know why people think one-night stands are, you know, a thing. It's actually not that great. <laughs> because you don't even know this person. It's like, whoop, whoop, you're done. It gets better the more time goes on. And you'll find that your client likes you even more as time goes on. Not less, more. So keep that in mind. How important is having a website in 2023? For companions, I think it is very, very, very important. I mean, granted, I'm biased. We build websites. Because a website is something like you own. It is totally under your control for the most part. Like you want to make sure it's like you own your domain. You have full administrative access, all of that. You know how to update. Even if you don't do the updates, it is important. I mean, especially for us, like we think it's important that you know how to, you have that choice. But an actual website for a companion, I think is, it really helps with credibility, with legitimacy. And because it's within your control, you get to say all of your policies. You get to say what you want about yourself you get to control what photos are featured. And then also you can't really capitalize on SEO if you don't have a website. So not to mention it's very difficult to maintain an email list if you don't have a website of some sort. Plus think about it. Let's say, God forbid, something happens and all the advertising websites shut down. They're shut down by the government. Government's like, fuck you guys, bye. Guys are still going to want to see you and they're going to be panicking. And guess what? What if they're able to search for your name and boom, your website comes up? Or because of your SEO, boom, your website comes up. 
It's very important. I mean, and yes, it does make you more credible as a business person. Like a guy is more likely, at, at least a guy that cares about who he's trying to hang out with, he's more likely to book you versus someone who doesn't have a website, all things equal. For people that don't show their face even more, because I can't tell you how many times I've had guys see me and they're like, you know what sold it to me was your website. And I was like, okay, good. So I'm doing something right. So yes, you do need a website. Maybe back in the day you didn't, but today you do. My old duos partner who has since passed away, but. Oh my God, rest in peace. Yeah, she was, we had the same birthday. We were like the Wonder Twins. She was a hoot, but she never had a website. But she also was very old school. And you do see people experiencing challenges and really struggling with being able to pivot. So the more you remain flexible and agile, you know, and one of the ways you can do that is by tweaking your website, you know, continually refining your branding, making sure that your social media is consistent. The more you can do that, the more you don't have to rely on external things like an ad platform finally approving your ad. Jesus. <laughs> the drama. And speaking of social media, does it help or does it hurt? I mean, it absolutely is a double-edged sword. It is the bane of my existence, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> well, the amount of PTSD that comes out of that site. <laughs> Because now we got to be on Instagram, Twitter, or X, as now Elon Musk decided to change it to. TikTok. It's like, damn, can we breathe? And now they created threads, which no one's really on. But can we relax? But hey, many hats. You got to do it all. You got to be everywhere all at once. Exactly. That's why you have to run it like a business, because if you're not organized, if you're not strategic, it's going to be pure chaos. And you're going to get chaotic results. If you run your business like a professional business, you get good results. Run it with chaos, you're going to get chaos. Should escorts be actively advertising in 2023 or should they just rely on social media since, you know, the advertising platforms are a little eh? To be honest, that is really something that a companion has to decide for themselves. I think the long term is no. You don't want to be imprisoned to an uh, ad site. You know, they can get very expensive. There's a lot of red tape that goes along with it. And it can be really ineffective for some people. Some people, it really works for. In which case, double down on that. If it's not working for you, then be willing to shift and pivot and be flexible. Because the thing is, is that if it's not working, what is the point of banging your head trying to do it again and again and again with the same results? That's, you know, as Einstein said, that's insanity. So the sooner you're able to figure out, you know what, this just isn't working for me for whatever reason, and think outside the box as to other ways that you can market your business, whether that be doubling down on social whether it be capitalizing on an email list and using newsletters and email blasts as a way to communicate with your clients, 
you know, there are all ways to do it, whether it's having a flying banner over Coachella. <laughs> hey, I mean, it gave me some ideas. I'm like, I wonder how much those cost. To be honest, out-of-home advertising in certain areas is nowhere near as expensive as one would think. I've actually looked at like billboards on the way to Exotica, like on the turnpike on the way to Exotica. It's like three grand maybe for some of them. So obviously that's not something you would do immediately in your business. But once you feel like you're paying your bills, you will have a solid marketing plan, then, you know, maybe consider a more expensive opportunity. Test it out. It doesn't hurt to try. Yes, exactly. And I mean, to be honest, you're probably paying close to that in Eros ads anyway. Because advertising is not cheap. Advertising is not cheap, which is why I'm a big fan of having a website, which again, is not always a cheap endeavor. But have you ever seen a business, you know, mainstream that doesn't invest in itself? And it is a lot of upfront work and maybe a lot of upfront investment. But if the ROI is there, the return on that investment is there, then you know that that is effective for you and you can keep working with that. If you're finding the ROI, like you're getting two clicks and not a single booking inquiry from a platform ad, then eliminate that, you know? And for a lot of our clients, the goal has been to finally get to a place where they elect to eliminate their ad spends. And so... You know, whether that means you're spending more of your own time focusing on like your SEO and your business development lead generation, your social media, your email marketing, or if you're outsourcing it, you sort of have to weigh like there is a a number, a numeric value that you put on your own time. So it's a question of do I have more of a return on the investment of my time? or return on the investment of that monetary financial investment. And that's something you can only decide for yourself as you go. It's always great in an ideal world to be fully set up. You've got your brand, you've got your marketing plan, you've got your strategy before you even start or launch a new persona. It's kind of like, you're not going to really know for sure until you experience those mistakes or things that just don't work. As long as you're able to address and refine and adjust, then, you know, it's okay to make stumbles along the way. You know, we've certainly stumbled. I've certainly stumbled in my life, like, so much. What do you do with that? The only failure is if you don't learn and get back up. And speaking of ads... Should escorts be descriptive or keep it short and sweet? Oh, that's tough. I don't think there is a one size fits all answer to that, honestly. When you are on a website, there is like your own website and you're working with your own copy and your content. Um, You sort of have to weigh like, because SEO, Google likes longer content. Yeah. So for your website, for sure, you got to like, because that's your home. Right. But for ads, I would say, think of it as almost the two minute trailer to your movie. You want to tease just enough that people are really intrigued and engaged, but you're not giving it all away. 
You want the, to drive them to your website. You want to drive them to the place where they can submit an inquiry. But in terms of like whether it should be one paragraph or three paragraphs, I think it really depends on your branding. Like, are you more, you know, sort of succinct and you don't, you know, wax rhapsodic? It is okay to do either. And you know what? It's okay to adjust it and refine if it's not working. Photos and videos, how important are they? Uh, unfortunately, they are crucial. <laughs> Why you say unfortunately? <laughs> because it's exhausting. It's an investment. Now, do you need to be doing expensive photo shoots with new outfits and an expensive location? And like, you know, a crazy photographer. It's like, no, you can't start with just being really attentive to creating the best photos you can, given what you're working with. So it's one thing to be like taking a selfie with a ring light and like you edit it afterwards and you make sure it looks good, but it's not too filtered and everything like that. It's another thing to take a selfie where the background is like a tornado just hit. <laughs> so don't take selfies in dirty spaces. Got it. Like, don't have hotel branding in the background. Oh, my God. Don't have crap all over your nightstands. Like, keep it professional. Even though it's a quote-unquote candid selfie, keep it professional. But in terms of pro photos, I think it definitely can help once you're at a place where you can afford them. And you grow and you scale in terms of what works for you. If you find that your selfies get much more traction than your pro photos, stick with that. Stick with that long-term and continually grow based on what you're noticing, what you're learning from the data. You know, I mean, people don't make enough usage of data. Vivian, I'll send you an email that if you want to include in the show notes, some free tools for the analytics of your Twitter. Yeah, I can definitely put that in the show notes for sure. Because that way you can see which posts are getting the most traction, the most engagement that are helping you the most. You get to see how many people are clicking on the links. You get to see all that information. Whereas if you're not looking at the numbers, then it's really, you're, you know, just sort of shooting fish in a barrel, you know, but blind. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it looks like it's right there and it should be easy, but it's not. Okay. So first impressions, they're everything. How can you use your branding to give a good first impression? Oh, that's a really good question. I would say lead with your differentiators because part of branding is developing what's called your brand positioning. And that's really understanding what your unique selling points, your different qualities are and what is you know most engaging about you. So once you've identified that for yourself, and again, it's really hard to do this on your own. I was horrible with my sex work persona. My branding was awful. Like I had this awful tagline that somehow stuck and I hated it. Hey, at least you had a tagline. <laughs> you 
you know what? It's a lot easier to do for others because you have accountability, you have support, you have objective opinions and feedback. But do you need to hire someone for that? No, not necessarily. Of course not. But if you aren't going to do it on your own, then that's always an option because it's really important that you know what your differentiators are, what your personality is, what your voice is, because it obviously comes back to that consistency element. And so if you know what is different about you, lead with that. Lean into your differences. Lean into your quirks. Because those are the things that are going to catch someone's attention. And we are actually conditioned in our human brains to focus on what is different, what is contrasting. Like when you look at a whole bunch of round holes and a square peg, your eye is drawn to the square peg. So just scientifically, our brains are built to look at the different. And by looking at the contrast, you stand out. However, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes like 10 touch points for a brand to really sink in to someone's brain and really engage them. So yeah, there are going to be those people who see you and immediately book. There are going to be those people who lurk for quite a while. And you know what? Those are usually the really good clients because they're being intentional. I've had people that were following me for like two years before they booked. I'm like, what? Two years? <laughs> well, you're like, your purchasing trigger is way off course. <laughs> well, you know what, bro? You eventually booked, so we're good. Yeah. Still side eye, but yeah, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> you get a bigger deposit. Which is not something I would recommend, keep things consistent. But yeah, I mean, the frustration I can definitely understand. But that's business. You encounter challenges, you encounter frustrations. Some, uh, you know, clients are going to drive you nuts. And that's okay, because guess what? This is your job. You are paid well to not report to anyone and sit in a cubicle from nine to seven every single day and be someone's, you know, little office slave. Damn, nine to seven, they changed work hours? I thought it was nine to five. <laughs> Girl, when I was at ad agencies, I was doing like an all-nighter on average once a week. That's one of the reasons why I was like, done with the rat race. I want to build an agency, like a marketing agency, that is supportive and is willing and good to accommodate different working styles. I mean, I say to my team, I'm like, I don't really care if you're working at three o'clock in the morning, like stoned out of your mind, as long as the quality of the work comes back at the highest of standards and it comes in on time. You know, you can work the way you want because let's be honest, most of us are, you know, neurodivergent or we just don't work in these formalized rigid structures. When it comes down to it, you may not like that client, but it is your job. This is your job. Plus, you have the authority to not see anybody you don't want to see. So there's that too. 100%. 100%. Okay. So please leave our listeners, both the guys and gals, with some parting advice. 
I would say have belief in yourself. Obviously, everyone wants to be their first. Everyone wants to be a trailblazer. But what, you know, is involved with that is presenting yourself, your business, your differentiators, your brand, your unique, you know, value proposition, doing that in a way that is confident. Because it's when you go half-assed that things don't really truly work. So if you are willing to commit to what you've decided when you've gone through that intentional strategy session, you really want to just say, okay, I'm going to stand by this. And it may not work. That is okay. You are inevitably going to fail in life. But I had a mentor who once said, outside of this industry, she said, Carly, live with all your chips in. It's the idea that you are going to fail and you're going to fail big in life. But you're also, if you live that way and conduct your life in a way where you are committed, you will win much bigger than you ever would have if you don't put yourself out there. You know, another poker metaphor is like you can't lose what you don't put in the middle, but you can't win much either. That's awesome. Okay. So where is the best place that our listeners can find out more about you and contact you if they want to hire you for your services? You can uh, hit us up at wearepsgroup.com. We're on socials at wearepsgroup.com. Also, I don't think this episode will be out by the time that voting closes, but a few of us on the team, as well as one of our clients, We've applied for a panel at the Mainstream South by Southwest Conference. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really, really exciting because, you know, 50,000 people go to this conference every year and it's not an industry conference. So being able to have that platform and have our industry represented is hopefully crossing fingers. Hopefully they have an open mind. Exactly. And to be honest, I think with the pandemic and the rise of OnlyFans into the mainstream spotlight, it is a little bit more accessible now. People are a little bit more willing to consider and listen and learn. So that's really what the goal is. It's like find your purpose, your life purpose, and it has to be more than just making money. You know, otherwise that's going to burn you out. You're going to get really jaded. You're not going to be able to scale and sustain a business. Obviously, money is a massive component. You want to be able to pay your bills. However, it's got to have a little bit more purpose behind it. It's got to, you know, maybe you just really like interacting with people. You know, it could be something as simple as that. That's a long-winded way of saying we are psgroup.com. <laughs> But you know what I find, though? I'm going to put all these in the show notes, by the way. But I find that in these types of panels and public speaking like that, they'll go for the OnlyFans people or like the porn people. But there's never any room for hoes. <laughs> Until we stand up and really drive through decrim bills. I think it's unfortunately sort of like there's a liability element which is very unfortunate, it's very discriminatory, and I think it plays into the current hierarchy. But it's sort of like so many people are hybrid. So many people do everything that it's just sort of like, you know, there should be representation. And I know Vermont is working on a decrim bill right now. 
So anyone who wants to get involved with the lobbyist who is pushing that through, he wants to speak to as many sex workers as possible in the development of it. Do you have his name? I do. His name is David Mickenberg. I believe it is Decrim Sex Work that is the organization in Vermont that is working with them. I'll share all this information, but the thing is, get involved. Get involved. Make your voice heard. Write things for guest blogs. Get your opinion out there. Support organizations like SWAP. You know, it really is about until we are finally decriminalized, you know, on a federal level and the stigma has started getting better. I don't think the stigma is ever going to go away, but the decrim, that's all we need. And you know what? In order to do that, we have to come together as a community. We can go back to fighting about red bottoms later. Oh, my God. (laughs) This never ending topic. (laughs) Mouchgate can wait. Oh, jeez. Let's come together like the DC universe where they all came together against a common enemy and then went back to inviting. But until that day happens, we need to come together because what we do, we are a goddamn army. But there's just so much fear, you know, of retaliation, fear of criminalization. So a lot of people like are behind the scenes, but they don't want to be the face, which is, you know, I mean, we'll get there. They really need to decrim because that'll make freestyling way easier. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Anyway, Carly, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, you know, blessing us with this knowledge. I appreciate you. I will put all your links, everything you send me in the show notes. And hopefully maybe next time you can come back and we can dive into the abyss that is SEO. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure, Vivian. Awesome. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at TSEG Podcast and on Instagram at TSEGP. Join our Patreon page for exclusive videos on dating, sugaring, and freestyling tips for both the gentlemen and ladies. Patreon.com forward slash TSEGP. Follow your host Vivian on Twitter and Instagram at Exotic Vivian. Please leave the show a five-star rating on iTunes. Until next time, keep it sexy and stay receptive.